Welcome back to episode three. Oh. We have, yeah, we did the intro. Okay. Then we had Betsy. And now we have our, our second guest, third episode. I'm so excited to announce three-time Olympian and gold medalist, April the Boss Ross. <laughs> right? Because I've seen it online is that people are starting to call you the boss. That was my nickname in college, actually. And then um, I started playing pro beach with Jen Kessie, whose um, married name at the time was Boss. So I had to let go of that um, Boss nickname for a while. And yeah. now it's kind of coming back. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I think I, I think I saw you repost it. Someone had oh, like... Oh, Sean. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to steal it. So that's how I, I, like it. I figured I'd introduce you. <laughs> um, so what have you been up to? Um, I've seen you coaching Betsy and Julia a little bit. Yep. Coaching Betsy and Julia. Um, I'm helping out like assisting Trevor Crabb and Theo Bruner. And um, grad assisting with Concordia Beach Volleyball Well, while I'm going to school there. Um... Yeah, and then I got my hand in a couple other projects. Like, um, I'm on the women's board for Gatorade and just joined Beach Nation to try and do some some more charity work and stuff, bringing beach vo or volleyball in general to, like, inner cities and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So what you, you said you're back in school. Well, we know that, but um, what what exactly are you studying again? I'm getting my master's in coaching and athletic administration. Um, and Concordia has like the best program in the country for it. And um, I mean, the first time I heard about it, Misty May was doing it. I think she was like one of the first people to do it a long time ago. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then I have a couple of their friends who did it too. And I'm loving it. Like I love the subject matter. It's changing my um, perception of what coaching is. And like, I'm just... It's like I started from scratch, like because when I coached before, I always coached the way that I was coached mm -hmm. and I never liked my coaches growing up. And so I think I wasn't really inclined to like, I don't want to do that. But now that coaching is becoming different and I'm learning how to coach in a more positive way, like I'm really motivated to do that. That's cool. Um, how was it for you? Because obviously you went to USC and, um, you know, uh, you had your, you know you played and then you're going back to school is that how hard was that to go back after being away from school for a while oh it was like, so like, easy really <laughs> yeah everybody they, everyone's like oh I'm not jealous like how how hard to go back and you have to study and I'm like I love all of it um <laughs> I wish it was in person I wish I had time to go in person and like I don't know take notes in the lecture hall um no, I always wanted to go back to school. So the reason I started playing professional volleyball was so that I could make enough money to go to grad school. Um, and then, you know, one thing led to another and I never got back to it until now. And so I always knew I wanted to go back. Then I kind of like took a step back from volleyball and I was like, do I? Everyone told me not to go back to school. They're like, your credentials are great. Like, you don't need to go back to school, which is probably valid, but I'm like, I just, I don't know. So um, I knew the deadline was coming up and I, um, what's it called? <laughs> I applied. <laughs> um, wow, brain. Okay, let's go. It's been a long day. Um, I applied and got in. 
But then I let the deadline pass, and I was kind of like, okay, maybe I won't do it. The next deadline was coming up, and I still didn't think I was going to do it. Two days before classes started, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I just enrolled in classes, and I've been stoked on it ever since. That's so cool. How long is the program? It's like a year, um, and I take, I'm take i taking a full load each quarter. Um, and it's a lot of studying. Like, it's a lot of homework. My fiancé, Josh, is just like, are you ever not going to do homework when you're home? I'm like, this is a you know short period of time. It's like a little longer than a year. I'm just going to knock it out, and yeah, you'll be fine. That's funny. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm jealous. I've always wanted to go back to school, too, but... Um... That's really cool. And like, it's cool that you get to be um, a part of like the beach program too, which is developing there as well. Uh, are they, they're D2? They're D2. Yeah. So there's only like two, I guess, two D2 schools on the West Coast. So we play like, we play UCLA, we play USC, oh. Pepperdine, um, all the big D1 schools. So we're challenged um, like every weekend. And it's really, it's, it's fun to try and help these girls who are so raw learn, learn about beach volleyball. And it's kind of crazy how much they don't know. Like they've been playing for a long time, but what we experience at the pro level and all the knowledge we gain just from that high level of competition, like there's a kind of, a, there's a really big gap still. So I'm teaching them these things and I'm like, is this too like elite for them? But I'm just going with it. I'm like, I might as well give them all the information and push them to do these things. And if they could do them, great. If not, you know, they just revert back to like the other way they were doing it. But <laughs> to see like something click it with them, it's really satisfying for me. Yeah, I bet. So, I mean, you sound really, really busy. <laughs> when, yeah. when do you have time for yourself? Um... Every other week, I schedule a spa massage. Nice. <laughs> um, you know what? I have some. I have time in the afternoons, mm-hmm. um, and I I do have me time. Like I know that it's important, mm-hmm. and I make sure I have a gym in my garage. So I make sure, like, that's me time. I make sure I work out. I want to get my heart rate up more for my health than anything. Um, I cuddle with my dog in the morning. <laughs> What's the dog's name? Rue. Rue. Yeah, she's 125 pound. Oh, um, so it's like a, a one of those weighted blankets. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so comforting. Yeah. I tell uh, I tell people all the time like my favorite part of the day is when I'm cuddling my dog in the morning. Um, how does Josh feel about that? Oh, he. <laughs> so when we say like you know how you say like I love you, and. <laughs> Half the time he goes, I love Rue. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's not okay. Like, you can't just say the dog's name when you're saying I love you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, me time, me time. Um, what about pickleball? I know. Yeah, pickleball. And you know what? So this is this is kind of the evolution. I <laughs> Walk us through it. Let's hear it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For a long time, like when I was playing. I had so much me time Mm -hmm. and I really valued it. And the way I recharged was like, I got away from my team. I went and drank coffee and read a book. I had all this time on the plane. And now that I'm not competing at the moment, like I want to engage in life. Like I want to play pickleball with my friends. I want to go down and spend time with my niece and nephew. I want to hang out with my fiance. 
um, I, I am busy and I'm doing all those things. I want to coach these three teams that I'm coaching um, just because I've had so much me time over the years and I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now, even though I'm super busy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you would make a great pickleball player. Thank based you. based off of what I've seen, you should see her serve. Yeah, her I serve mean, just, her pickle serve is just like her top serve around the FIVBABP top <laughs> server in the PPA. <laughs> she does it all. I'm going for it. <laughs> I just got a lesson this last weekend um, from three pros. That's it awesome. was me and three pros. Wait, I'm jealous. I know they taught me so many cool little tricks. Wow, you guys, watch out. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have a tournament coming up? Uh, well, Kelly and I talked about it, uh -oh. um, but we ended up dropping the ball on that one to play in it. No pun intended. There's plenty more out there. there. There's... We just have to train a little bit more and yeah. then go get I gotta work on my by pros. I know. I mean, April knows. When we played We played together a couple of weeks ago, and you're like, we always started out poorly. And you're like, why do we always play so bad together? I know. Yeah. We cannot play in a tournament. <laughs> my, my third shot, drop shot was like in the net every time. I kept hitting the ball out. Like, it's not like, I don't know. We came back almost one yeah. times. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it's pickleball's fun. It's, it's no offense, but you're kind of hard to play with. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, no. shots fired. I know. No. <laughs> it's only because you're left handed. It is. Yeah. It's a little awkward because then we have, um, there's like a good rotation and a bad rotation. Yeah. Like we have, if I'm on the left and you're on the right, both of our, back or like our good hands are no. on the outside forehand yeah. forehand oh, there yeah. you go good yeah. hand <laughs> pickleball terminology i'm on it i got you but then our back yeah our backhand is like but then gina always switches paddles mid-rally to her right it's only yeah it's overhead but, but it's very confusing anyway but yes yeah. playing with me as a left-hander is difficult because we definitely put i feel like there's a way to make it an advantage but i we i don't know what how that is yet yeah we'll have to wait that's yeah. interesting so you swing your with the volleyball with your right hand. Yeah. And then you're with your paddle, you're left. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm, that's interesting. Overhead, I'm right. Yeah. Overhand, I'm left. But she's also probably the best at hitting a volleyball with her opposite hand. Yeah. Yes. By far. Thanks, guys. Are yeah. you the, the only person on the tour to do that? No, the other people do it too. Yeah. Like, um, I know Kelly Chang will do like a lefty poke too. Oh, yeah. Um, but no one like gets up and swings at it like you do, I feel like. <laughs> a full blown swing, <laughs> yeah. cross court, hard angle. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to use my left hand this time. <laughs> I'm too lazy to move. <laughs> Basically, pretty much, yeah, pretty much my feet are just lazy. <laughs> nice. uh, that's funny. I had actually one question was because um, obviously, you know, you you didn't play last year. You played a couple events at the start of the season, um, mm -hmm. the, the two Mexico. Yeah. And then um, uh, you had injury and you took some time off. So how was it uh, taking time off? at first versus like given a year and had, you know, it was, it was tough. Um, I did the whole identity crisis thing. And um, like, I think what really happened was after the gold medal, Alex and I kept playing a couple of tournaments and those were really emotionally taxing. You know, I think after the Olympics, K. That makes sense. They're going to be really emotionally taxing to play. Um, but then she got shoulder surgery. Um, I was trying to figure out who I wanted to play with. Um, and then I, you know, it just wasn't really the same. I had gotten the gold medal 
And I don't think I realized how big of a motivating factor that was for me to, you know, train as hard as I did. And it was like this mission I was after. Um, and just, yeah, to try and like start over from scratch and build a new team um, at 39 going on 40, I was kind of like, I checked off all my boxes and like, I, I need to know why I'm doing this. Like my heart has to be in it. Um, and so I don't like, I just think I was kind of in flux there and then wasn't completely into it. Didn't know why I was playing. I didn't train enough before going to those tournaments, hurt my shoulder. And then I was like, what am I doing? You know? Um, and so needed to take some time off. And then I was just kind of like, I don't know when I'm going to be back and didn't realize how, like, I always prided myself on being like, yeah, I don't, you know, like I, I don't, my identity is not volleyball. It's like what I do, not who I am. And then you take a step back and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know who I am outside of, of volleyball. And, um, so really took like a lot of time to try and figure that out and worked through a ton of stuff that I'd put like on the back burner for my entire life. And, um, it was a doozy for a while. Uh, but I think I needed to go through that. And um, now, yeah, I'm after, you know, time, I'm loving what I'm doing now and um, in a totally different space. So it, w it was hard. And I think like I've talked to other people recently who've re retired. I'm not retired. I'm not saying that word. <laughs> I could be back. Um you heard it here first. Like that that's a big scoop right there, you guys. Um, but people who have retired and taken time away from the sport. Um, and it's like there's so many people that go through that. It's it's crazy. Um, and I know it's talked about, but like you just don't think like I just didn't think it was me. I didn't think that was gonna like be me. And so I was a little bit shocked. But yeah, it's a real thing and people go through it. Yeah. As oh sorry, no, go, no, go has coaching helped see the game differently than when you were as a player? Because obviously you're working with three different teams. Has their, I guess, yeah. vision changed about it or no? Uh, vision changed about how I see the game? Yeah. Um, a little bit, I guess. The thing I'm noticing is like uh, I'm kind of demanding things that I don't even necessarily know I would be able to do or like it's hard, it's hard to say, like, if I was coaching myself, these are the things I would tell myself to do. Um, I, do, I do feel like I see the game much better as a coach, and I'm able to tell my athletes, like, what they should be doing or, you know, different strategies that might work way better than I was able to do as a player for myself. So... I guess that's the big difference for me and things I didn't even think about as a player. I'm like, well, you should do this in this situation, you know? So it might be fun to come back and apply that like perspective to. How, how has it been coaching the girls? And then you said you're coaching Theo and Trevor. I'm yeah, assisting. I work with them twice a week. Uh, I just wanted to, I've never coached guys before and uh, wanted to even see if I was able to offer them anything, you know, like the games are so different and 
I, I told I told them I'm like, let's do this on like a trial basis. If I'm not helping you guys, like no offense taken, like we don't need to do it, but let's see how it goes. And um they haven't said they hate it yet, so <laughs> taking that as a good sign. No, I feel like I'm able to help them and really like working with them. And it's it's a little bit of a different game and girls are I think a little bit more technically sound overall. And so harping on the guys like technique and they just want to get out there and play and hit hard and do all that. So um, forcing them to get a little uncomfortable is, is fun. Um, But yeah, I like it. I like um, coaching all the teams. The the tough thing with the college team is uh, Theo just texted me that the video is up. (laughs) in our group chat fun um yeah there's just so many girls in beach in in the college game and to like try and have an impact on any of them because you want to help all of them is really tough so i've kind of i've tried to narrow it down and kind of taken like a couple of teams and i'm spending more time with them but it just sucks because you you do want to help everybody um, but I am, I'm, I like coaching all of them. Has it been fun to be like with a bigger squad? Cause I feel like for so long it's been you, your partner and your coach and like a smaller, different kind of quad. Cause now you're dealing with like 20 athletes. Yeah. Like a team, a yeah, big like, college team again, like being back indoor almost. Um, yeah. I mean that dynamic wasn't my favorite. Like I love all the girls I played with at SC, but being in a big group like that was tougher than being on a beach volleyball team. Like I really enjoy the close camaraderie with, you know, three to five people on the beach. Um, But it is fun to be part of like a team and a school and have that pride. But I, I think I prefer the small little pod to the, to the big pod. How do you um, work out or manage a partnership that you think as a coach's perspective might not be a good fit. Like if you, for example, think that maybe you're not a good fit for the pair or the pair is just toxic to one another. Say deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm not worried about working with um, anyone or having a hard time working with anybody. I feel like that's one of my strengths. Um, I don't understand how people aren't able to work together. Like if you both want to win, mm-hmm. be good partners to each other. So I haven't had that yet, luckily. But if I did, I think I would just sit them down and be like, why Okay, why are you doing this to your partner? Like what do you think you're accomplishing? Mm-hmm. And if you want to win, build your partner up so they play better and you have a better chance of winning. Like if – if you roll your eyes at your partner, turn your back on your partner, like that's not going to make them play better. Like you're just going to do worse. So I, it blows my mind when I see that. Like I, I don't understand it. It's just logic in my opinion. Um, I actually did. We had a preseason tournament with Concordia in the fall and I had an athlete who was just complaining about like her partner setting and this is the reason I'm hitting it out and all of that. And I'm like, I had to like talk her through, you know, 
why she needs to be a good partner and not blame her. And, you know, if you're really the better person, really the better player, then be the cleanup crew, you know, like hit all these sets. You should be able to hit whatever set she's giving you. So um, I don't know. I don't think there's an excuse, a good excuse for not being able to work with your partner. Yeah. And if you has there ever been a time when you're on the sand and um, you were, you know, heckled by either your the person you're up against or someone from the fan? Like, how do you react to that? Have you ever been heckled by a, by a fan? Yeah. In Austin one year. <laughs> I mean, not not too badly on the beach. I can't remember ever being heckled badly on the beach, but in Austin, I think we were in the finals and this guy just kept yelling my name. It was like silent and he kept yelling my name. And I was like, that is so distracting. The boss. <laughs> um, that so that was a little bothersome. And then I had a really bad heckling experience when I was at USC at Cal. And I've heard this from several people that Cal I had a bad experience at Cal too. Students yeah. um, are really mean hecklers. Mm. Um, but normally I, I am able to kind of tune out the the crowd. Like I usually don't notice the crowd. It's just like if that one, you know, the one guy when it's silent is yelling something. Like I'm gonna hear that. But through the net, I've had a couple people, you know, stare at me and scream after blocking me. Yeah. But honestly, I, I, I only know that because people tell me afterwards. Oh, so you like zone out I or black out? Just refocus. Next, well, next like point. if I hit the ball and I get stuffed like straight down, I'm not like looking at the other team. Like I just turn around. I'm going back. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking to my partner. I'm going back. So like if you're going to stare at me like I'm not. I'm not going to see it. If you need to do that, that's fine. Um, I'm not I'm not a fan of talking through the net. I did get mad at Jen Kessie one time because she was yelling at the other team. We were in Stad and we were playing like our arch rivals. And the two girls, like Jen was getting into it with one of the other girls. And I'm just... That was the first time I'd ever kind of experienced that. And I was, I turned to Jen. I'm like, hey, just just stay on our side of the net. Like, don't pay attention to it, to her. And after the game, she goes, don't you ever tell me to stay on our side of the net. <laughs> and I was like, okay, point taken. Like, go ahead. You do you. <laughs> I mean, there's some players that um, get fired up by it, you know. When they talk at you? If they get talked to by somebody, whether it's a fan or a competitor across the net, it, like – the anger, you know, like makes them almost play better. I've seen it before, but um, I will say that after people have told me that these players do this, it makes me want to beat them a lot more. Yeah. Like the next time I'm up against them, I definitely want to do better. And that's why I'm not a big fan of talking through the net because I just feel like you're giving the other team more motivation to beat you. For sure. Yeah. Like if you're just nice to everybody, they're. Oh, I feel bad beating her. I won't try as hard. <laughs> but then you, I always, um, I always thought the heart rate monitors were your hug with the counter. <laughs> I told Alex, I'm like, what are those things? Are you guys like keeping track of your hugs? And she was like, no, it's for our heart rate. It's like every make, every time they touch, they, they yeah. <laughs> log one. Every time you tap, like, oh, makes so much sense. Uh, now. I find I think more people are hugging now after yeah. years started doing it I think so too I see it a lot on the world tour and you know 
the the reason we did it was to get more time in between plays we needed to catch our breath and recover but it also is a, just a really nice way to come together with your partner and sh show each other support and togetherness and i really like it for us and for everybody who does yeah. it i feel like the people who don't do it you're like ooh, why do they hate each other <laughs> what's going on <laughs> yeah it's like they turn they turn their back towards their partner and they walk away or they go to the they give like, like oh there's something there yeah, yeah. one half-hearted like low high five yeah like no they don't like each other yeah <laughs> that's not gonna go well i just get i'm too sweaty and sandy that i feel bad hugging my partner oh i'm like disgusting every time i play so that's why i'm like, like people don't notice your partner's not gonna notice that in the middle of a match yeah i guess so yeah I never hug. <laughs> you don't? I think like I'll hug after the match, but like during it's like high five, go get to the service line, get to my spot. I also think you have to be with a partner that you know you're like in it for the long haul with. It's not just like, you know, the person I'm playing with this year. I mean, it could be, but I think the longer you're with somebody and the more you experience with them, the more natural it is. But you can't always do it to just buy time. Do you uh, ever practice your high fives so you don't mess it up when you're um, on camera? No, but I we did have to stop hugging in practice because you don't need to hug in yeah. practice. <laughs> it's like so, quiet. like one, uh, but then like uh, keeping track still with those heart rate monitors. And then it becomes <laughs> habit, and in the middle of practice, you get a little fired up and you go in for the hug, and the other You're person's like, just like, uh, and I don't know, it's super awkward. And we're like, okay, we just we're just not gonna hug in practice. That's so uh, that's really funny. So I mean, and obviously, I, Alex has become one of your good friends too. Mm -hmm. yeah, and you guys yeah. spent, you know, a lot. A lot long time four years together yeah 24 7 365 yeah and yeah I went through COVID together yeah it was a was that the longest time with a partner that you've had or no I played with Jen for seven years yeah um but yeah it was great playing with Alex yeah I do have one question I know we were talking about being on the road and stuff oh yeah um so I remember we went and worked one of those SOB volleyball vacations and we get to the airport and we're waiting for our bags and you have like three huge <laughs> pieces of luggage with you. Always. And uh, do you want to share what, what that is? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So as I got older and just realized what made traveling comfortable, I was like, I'm going to sacrifice lugging three pieces of luggage through the airport for you know however long it takes me to get somewhere so that i can be comfortable for the week or three weeks that i'm somewhere else um, so i pack like a mattress pad that takes its own um its own bag so that's like one and like a comforter <laughs> that goes in the other like takes up room on the other one and then i have to i don't bring a pillow but like i'll bring my normatec I'll bring a roller, just like anything that's going to make me comfortable and happy where I'm going, I'm going to pack it. So I travel with so much luggage and I have no shame about it. I love that. How long have you been doing that? I started bringing the mattress pad, I think before Rio, maybe. I remember Jen Kessie brought this foam 
had to London with her to put on, I thought she was crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, like just sleep on the hotel bed. It's fine. Like it, we're at a nice hotel. And then I don't know where I tried it. Maybe I tried hers and I was just sold after that. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so comfortable. And sleeping on the road is hard yeah. and it's important to be comfortable. So it was just a non-negotiable for me. Did, did you bring your mattress to Tokyo? I did. Oh yeah. And my pillow that time. <laughs> I had like five bags going to Tokyo. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, sleep is so important too. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you can have a good night of sleep, you know, and recover well. Sleep was such a huge focus for me. So I would like, I would met, no more likes, no more likes. <laughs> I would meditate every night. Um, I would read, I would stretch. I'd have this like stretching routine. And then I'd have my mattress pad. I'd use, you know, like melatonin, eye mask, uh, earplugs. My sister thinks I'm the most high maintenance sleeper <laughs> on the planet. When she traveled with me one time and saw everything I did, she was just appalled. <laughs> At what point in your career did you really take sleep into consideration of performance to make you perform at like such a high level? Um, I don't remember when, like when I first got on tour, it was just so easy to pass out. And then it's like when the pressure starts to build and you think the more you accomplish, the less maybe pressure you have to prove anything. And I just felt like the more I accomplished, the more I needed to uphold that, you know, performance level or accomplish even more. So I always felt more and more pressure with each quad. And I just remember having a really hard time sleeping in Rio because I that was the games that I put the most pressure on myself. And uh, leading up to the games, even we'd do I'd watch video at night and just not be able to stop thinking about the uh, the game plan. And I'd have the thought like, oh, I'm like so confident in my playing ability. But if I don't sleep, like, am I going to am I not going to be able to play very well? Is it going to affect my performance? And so just like thinking that was, you know, hard to get over. Um, so, yeah, I think just with the pressure, that is when I had to really create a routine for my sleep, um, talk to a sports psychologist. Um, I eventually saw a real therapist uh, to get just some help working through all that stuff um, to kind of calm down before I go to sleep. In the last quad leading into, I guess, Tokyo, there was there a point where you found like a legit routine of like, okay, I need X amount of hours before this tournament or like when you were on the road, I need X amount of hours. How would you, I guess, manage that going into that quad for Tokyo? Cause obviously we had COVID. So at what point did you kind of narrow in your sleeping routine? I think, I think it was Doha. Um, so it was the first event after COVID. So I don't know if I like learned stuff over COVID and implemented it. I did a lot of meditation over COVID. And so I think that became a bigger habit for me and was really, really helpful. So we ended up winning Doha, the first tournament back from COVID and clinched the R Olympic spot <clears throat> at that one. And so I think I took that routine because I did work really hard to just wind down and do my 
sleeping pattern thing um, before I went to bed. And so I just kept that for, you know, the rest of the quad. And I should still do it now, but I don't do it as much. How many, how many hours would you or did you need in order to perform or to feel good? Oh, to sleep? Yeah. Um, so that's my thing. My huge, and I've experienced it. I've experienced it. So I know, like, you do not need sleep to play well. And that's helped me get over the, that thought of, like, I have to sleep, you know, because I've proven it to myself many times that if I'm not sure how much I, I sleep sometimes, like, I'll be up and uh, sometimes, like, I can remember nights where I was up till, like, 3 a.m., like, not able to fall asleep, and then I have a 8 a.m. match that I have to get up for, and you can either panic about it or you can just be, like, get up and say, I'm going to pretend like I got a full night's sleep and just go out there and play as hard as I can and pretend like everything's fine. And if your mind is on board, your body will perform. Like you don't, you don't have to let it get to you. So I, I, and there's a lot of muscle memory that goes into it. So I just know that you don't need sleep to play well. I think you'll get tired at some point and like really crash and sleep enough at some point. But um, ideally, I shoot for eight hours. That's perfect for me. If if I'm going to go one way or the other, less, a little less is better than more. And lots of coffee. And lots of coffee. I know you love coffee. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All day, every day. <laughs> it's a problem. What's your coffee order? In the morning, I get an Americano with half and half. And in the afternoon, I usually go for like an oat milk latte. Nice. Yeah. And then I, Kyle and I, so Kyle is my roommate uh, with my fiance. He's awesome. But uh, we got together and bought an espresso this year machine for the house. And I, it's not the fanciest thing, you know, like it's not a true espresso machine or anything, but I really like it. Is it, a, is it a Breville? I don't know what that is. No. I got the brand. Yeah. Rivals are awesome. Oh. Steam your own milk. Oh. You uh, grind your own beans. I have a question for you about coffee. So you've traveled literally the globe. Oh, yes. <laughs> Where is the best place for coffee? Okay. Let me go through my Rolodex of <laughs> coffee stuff. Let me flip through all my passports. How many? Pa oh, we'll get to that in a second. Um. Wait. Brazil. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, just the regular drip coffee. And then they usually have hot steamed milk next to it and just mixing those together. Oh, my gosh. It's it's so good. That sounds so good right now. I'm already looking forward to tomorrow morning yeah. for my coffee. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to go home and make myself a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brazil has really good coffee. And then everywhere in Europe has pretty good coffee. What stood out though? Like, why is Brazil? Why does they? Have, why do they have the best coffee? What is it? The taste? Yeah, I think it's the taste, and I I think it's the milk. Like, I'm pretty sure it's like whole fatty milk, like straight from the cow, straight from the cow yeah. that you mix with the coffee. Cows out back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True farm to table. Farm to table, baby. Um, I I just wanted to ask this one question because I thought of it, I thought of it last night. So we did a mentorship weekend. Um, not too long ago with Kelly Chang and Jordan and Sarah Hughes, Julia, Haley, and um, that was it, and me. 
yeah, yeah. there's six of us yeah, yeah. and yeah. uh <laughs> and i remember it was our last night and we were sitting on the roof and the girls were in the the, the little men- mentees were sitting in the jacuzzi playing a game and then they come over and they're like hey do you guys want to play um uh who would be most likely and we're like yeah sure whatever and then one of the questions was like who would be most likely to write a book and everyone was like April. <laughs> so if my question is, if you were to write a book or maybe you're thinking about it in your future, whatever, um, what would you want to write about? Hmm. I do. I would love to write a book. I go, I, I would want it to be kind of, I think oh, this is just my idea right now. It'd be autobiographical, but in a way that has lessons that it teaches like so this happened in my life this is the story and kind of these are the lessons i learned from it that maybe i could share with other people i think that would be kind of cool yeah that sounds and then maybe even enter some journal prompts because i'm a big journaler and um i personally would love that if a book had it i would read it oh thank you yeah (laughs) sign me up (laughs) how many journals have you gone through um, from when you first started playing beach till I guess now. Yeah, like do you finish every single page or do you like get through a phase of your life and then start a new one? I kind of get through a phase and then start a new one. I mean, eh, probably I'd say at least five journals. Do you have like a go-to journal or do you like the variety of different journals? I like, so I, for a long time I did the sketchbooks. So they're like eight by six maybe okay maybe a little smaller but they have the three ring the rings and not that the pages aren't lined so you can kind of like doodle and make it all cute and <laughs> put some stickers on there. Put, yeah put some stickers <laughs> tape some photos uh so i did that and recently i've moved on to moleskin oh nice yeah that's a good brand and yeah. i'm a pen snob like it really matters what pen i use i don't have a brand but it has to be the fine point like the yeah it's gonna be smooth yeah the typical ballpoint yeah. no doesn't work it's gotta be super <laughs> oh you don't like these ones like oh. that's not fine enough yeah that's way too thick <laughs> oh that's a 1.4 <laughs> like most of them are like 0.7 maybe like 1.0 or 0.7 i need like a 0.4 i didn't even know this point system I don't know. It's faded. That one's this one's okay. Yeah, yeah. That one's okay. Compare. She would write with it. We're comparing pens over here. <laughs> and then I have all different colors. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. And now my new thing is like I bring a whiteboard to practice because I'm a coach. I'm an official coach. And now I have a bunch of whiteboard marker colors, and they've got to coordinate. And yeah, I have way too much. Do people call you coach? Like yes, coach. I've had it a couple of times already. Is that yeah. weird? Is that weird for you or no? No, it feels kind of right. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I'm more of a I'm a visual person, so like even though I have this notebook, I have a whiteboard board at home, and I like to storyboard a lot of the projects I work on because I'm a very visual person. So I got to like write it down, even though I have reminders in my phone and I check it off. I'm like, this isn't good enough. I run into the other room. I got I have this whiteboard that's like pretty massive. Just draw everything out, cross everything off. And I'm like, wait, I got to now check my phone and make sure I have everything. <laughs> so I got to go back and forth. But that's really funny because I did notice your whiteboard the other day at practice. Oh yeah. So I was like reading it and I was like, oh, interesting. Cause I didn't see you arrive with it. And I was like, when, when did this get here? Oh yeah. But yeah. I, I can't like do things in my phone. Like it's gotta be on paper or something real. Yeah. yeah. I have like a planner, a paper planner. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I have like a tons of, I have tons of pens. I have these with me in my backpack, in my car, in, at home, just like my chapsticks. They're literally like everywhere. Um, 654. But we're just like right on the right on the dot here, you guys. Oh, yeah. This is awesome. The people out here are vacuum cleaning. My camera's malfunctioning. <laughs> Luckily, we have the audio. Let me just double check that audio. Yep, we're good. We're good. Um, I guess I get. We I think we're nearing the end here, and I think the the obvious question here, which I usually like to ask everybody, is how do you take a bet on yourself, or have you taken a bet on yourself? Oh wow. I feel like I've kind of bet on myself my whole life. Um, I've really not, I've never waited for anybody to kind of give anything to me, I guess. And when like indoor volleyball came to a close and I didn't see a way forward with that like I just quit and I you know I could have kept playing and make I could have made money playing indoors but my heart wasn't in it and I was like no like I want to do something where my heart is in it and I'll figure it out and um, I've kind of done that several times throughout my life and just followed my passions and um, I believe that's the true way to go about life is just to, you know, where you can follow your heart because that's what you're going to be best at. And, uh, I think most recently I've bet on myself by taking a step away from competing and trying to figure out what's next and, um, just jumping back into school yeah. and trying to, trying to, you know, form, form a new path forward. Oh, that's awesome. Do you guys have anything else to add? No, I just thanks for coming. This yeah, was fun. this is really fun. I feel like we could go for another couple hours. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> which is what we want. Well, you know, I was talking to Gina and and uh, Kelly about this today. Even how I really want this podcast to be a safe space for anybody we bring in, um, building this community together, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, and you know, even maybe it being a a, a place where. Uh, it'll allow healing within the community, you know, whether it's, you know, enemies, quote unquote, like, you know, you're competing against all these people, but having these tough conversations, if they're willing to do that. Um, so we really appreciate you being here and sharing your story with us. Yeah. Um, well, love that. I would love to come back. Yeah. Maybe like, well, you know, after you have a couple more guests on. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll have you back. Yeah. I mean, this is this is great. Um, I think that there's still quite a bit that we didn't touch base on, but we're it's 6 p.m. Well, now it's 7 p.m., right? Almost on a dot. Um, so we really appreciate you coming out and, and uh, agreeing to hang out with us and have this conversation. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Um, thank you, everybody. And this is the Bet on Her podcast. It's caps. Woo! It's caps, <laughs> baby! Caps. It's caps! And <laughs> cut. Cut. <laughs>